It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Hey, good morning. Sandy Rios with you, and I just want you to know there's a lot of shooting going on in America, and it's not good, but there is some good news on it. Um, For one thing, in South Florida, where there is such incredible devastation, there are looters. They're catching looters all over the place. And so it's been so bad uh, that one of the Florida sheriffs who went on Fox & Friends, it's Polk County Sheriff Florida, Florida Sheriff Grady Judd, uh, weighed in when he was asked about the influx of looters who are taking advantage of Hurricane Ian's devastation, and this is what he said. Well, I can tell you that I was down there with my colleague, Sheriff Marcino, this weekend, and it's total devastation. You know, and people have a right to be safe in their homes. They have a right for their property to be safe, even when part of their home may be torn away. And these looters, that's unacceptable, absolutely unacceptable. I would highly suggest that if a looter breaks into your home, comes into your home while you're there to steal stuff, that you take your gun and you shoot him. You shoot him so that he looks like grated cheese. Because you know what? That's one looter that won't break into anyone else's home and take advantage of them when they're the most vulnerable and the most weak. All right, I realize, you know, I'm sure he got a lot of blowback for that. Who knows? Maybe he'll lose his job for saying like that, but he's saying something like that. But he's a law enforcement officer, and many of us forget what it's like to be on the front lines and see mangled bodies and innocent victims, uh, children, you know, uh, what, fill in the blanks. Uh, They see so much, and they are out there to protect people. They're not as gentle as you and I about these things. Well, anyway, uh, that's the Polk County Sheriff, Florida Sheriff Grady Judd. Now, here's the the irony uh, up in uh, New York. You remember uh, Lee Zeldin is the Republican candidate for governor up there running against Kathy Hochul, who's terrible on gun rights for uh, New Yorkers. In fact, in a second, I'll get to a new regulation she just put in place, which is ironic given this story. You remember that Lee Zeldin, who used to be a congressman, who was a great congressman, by the way. Do you remember that last July he was at a campaign stop in uh, Parenton, New York, and a guy jumped up on the stage and tried to stab him? Do you remember that? And the people around him took the guy down. Well, that was, you know, campaigning for the governor of New York. That's what happened to him. It made, you know, didn't really make that big of headlines. I thought myself, that's kind of a big deal. But no, you know, with the press, the, the our press. In fact, that makes this even more credible. I don't know if you've seen this on the news. I actually did not hear or see this morning an audio story on this. Um, I saw written stories, but here's the story. Lee Zeldin lives um, in Long, on Long Island, and Sunday afternoon, yesterday afternoon, he and his wife had just left. It was around 2 o'clock in the afternoon to go to a Columbus Day event. They have two daughters who were 16 years old who were left 
back at home. They were doing their homework. That's what people do and kids do on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, and when, as the girls were doing their homework, shots started being fired. Um, and it turns out two suspects were under their porch uh, and were shot. Now, it's very unclear about who shot who. Uh, but the suspects were not killed, but they were shot, taken to the hospital. And uh, Lee Zeldin, and of course his daughters were frightened to death, shot, you know, screamed. They ran into the bathroom and called, I believe they called the police. Uh, and he, so Lee Zeldin makes this point. He said, um, crime, you know, I'll read this, what he says exactly. Like so many New Yorkers, crime has literally made its way to our front door. My family's grateful to all who have reached out, and we will provide another update when we can. Now, look, a man should not, in this country, be running for public office and fear for his life. Um, Now, I should hasten to add, I have made this clear. According to sources, this had nothing to do with who lived in the house. Uh, It's maybe uh, some sort of crime spree on Long Island, maybe thieves. I don't know what. Well, that's what they're saying at this. They're not saying anything. They're saying they don't know. Uh, so we don't know for a fact that he was targeted. Nevertheless, this man has really, really put himself out there. And uh, he has family, you know. It ju- how can we operate as a free society if we have that kind of threat? And, of course, crime is what overtakes, I remember so, communities and civilizations when things began to unravel. And it is a way, again, that the thuggish criminal left controls regular law-abiding people. I remember so well what happened in Venezuela when the murder rate went up and people were not safe in the streets. Uh, It was just horrible. That's what Venezuela, remember, I don't know if you remember, if you were listening to me then, I did a lot of conversations with Venezuelans on that, and it was frightening to them, and that's what I see happening here. But now let me just tell you something. Maybe this will encourage you, at least encourage you to take some action here. At least 12 armed citizens have thwarted crimes in the last 60 days. There have been at least 12 instances over the last two months around the country of armed individuals thwarting attacks and crime by firing a gun or just simply displaying it. Um, This is an 80-year-old liquor store owner in California named Craig Cope. He says, I would always protect my employees, my customers, myself. This instance, fortunately, I was here by myself, so I only had to worry about that. I took care of it. And that was that, 80 years old. Uh, He stopped a robber in his store. That was just uh, one between August and September. Again, there are 12. Now, these are just reported. We have no, this is the ones that made the news. Look, we have no idea how many people a gas station clerk in Washington state shot and killed a would be robber. At the end of September, another gas station clerk shot dead an armed robber in San Antonio. A convenience store clerk, you may remember, we talked about this, in Florida stopped an attempted armed robbery last month just by displaying his own weapon. Remember that was the one where uh, the, the I think the headline or the guy said, you're not in Chicago anymore. This was a guy who'd driven down, a criminal would be, from Chicago to do harm. And um, he learned that in Florida it's a different story than it is in Chicago and in New York and other states. Uh, there's a, uh, I could give you more. Should I? I? Maybe I should. A concealed carry permit holder in Chicago ended an apparent armed carjacking in August when he returned fire and left the suspect in critical condition. And in California, a homeowner shot and killed an intruder protect, to protect her husband who was fighting with the intruder last month. An Oklahoma man shot and killed a burglary suspect at a Tulsa condo at the beginning of September. 
So now here's the deal. Uh, I started out by talking about uh, Lee Zeldin, who's running for governor in uh, New York State. So his counterpart, the Democrat, who he's challenging, Governor uh, Kathy Hochul, just signed legislation last month banning people from carrying firearms in Times Square, as well as most hospitals, restaurants, transit systems, parks, schools, theaters, and other areas deemed to be sensitive locations. Now, look, on its face, we would all say, well, that's great. We don't really, we don't want shootouts, uh, you know, where these kids are. We don't want that to happen. So, um, um, Here's the counter to that, and this is John Lott from Crime Research Prevention Center, who's a good friend, often says, and this is true, the stats show that shooters, criminals who carry guns illegally because they do not go through all these hoops to get their gun, look where gun-free zones are, and that's where they do their worst. They don't go to places where people are harm, uh, heavily armed. They're ca- they don't. They, they actually want to preserve their own life, except for the most part, some of them you know, kill and then kill themselves. But um, most times these robbers are kind of cowards and they kind of like their own life and they don't want to go places uh, where there are lots of guns. So he, John Lott says of Kathy Hochul's decision, the ban actually serves as a magnet for criminals. As they know, their victims will be defenseless in those areas. He said concealed handgun permits have been soaring in Philadelphia because crime is out of control and the city can't protect the people. So this is what's happening all over the country. I'm going to, well, I want to read this last thing from, from, this is from um, a real, oh, this is from John. Again, I would have had John on this morning, but we're, we always are time a challenge, but this is what he said. Americans who look only at the daily headlines would be surprised to learn that according to academic estimates, defensive gun uses, including instances when guns are simply shown to deter crime, are four to five times more common than gun crimes and far more frequent than the roughly 20,000 murders or fewer each year, with or without a gun. But even when they prevent mass public shootings, defensive defensive uses rarely get national news coverage. That's John's report, and he just wrote a new—it's crimeprevention.research.org for those of you that are interested in following up with this. Uh, and there's lots more stories in Oregon, Mississippi, California, Illinois, all of these stories— a thwarting, thwarting uh, criminals, would-be criminals. So, um, oh, and also, also Professor Gary Mauser of Canada's Simon Fraser University uh, said that national surveys find that fire, firearms are rarely fired when used to stop a violent attack, and such cases are unlikely to be reported. You just have to show your gun, and it scares people away. Now, that's not always the case, but for those of you that carry, this is something to remember it, uh, it is actually being effective around the country. And this is something else that John Lott has pointed out through crimepreventionresearch.org. The FBI seems to be under-reporting the number of times, and I know that'll surprise you, right? The number of times armed citizens have thwarted activity, active shooting incidents. So um, this is what the report says from John. Um, the FBI data contains massive errors. When tracking active shooting incidents, undercounting how often armed citizens have thwarted active shooting situations over the last eight years. Although collecting data is fraught with challenges, some see a pattern of distortion in the FBI numbers because the errors almost exclusively go one way, minimizing the life-saving actions of armed citizens. The data released from Crime Research Prevention 
shows that 34.4, are you ready? This is interesting. 34.4% of active shootings were thwarted by armed citizens between 2014 and 2021. 34.4% thwarted. The FBI data, though, only shows, are you ready? 4.4% of active shootings thwarted by armed citizens. Uh, and it all in all, 360 active shooter incidents were identified by the Crime Re- Re- Prevention Research Center between 2014 and 2021, um, uh, with 124 stopped by armed citizens. The FBI identified only 11 thwarted by armed citizens. So, And on and on it goes. It's just very interesting, and you just need to know about that. And so um, take care of yourselves. And by the way, there's a, there is another stat that I want to share with you, because I thought this was pretty amazing. This is at the end of a piece that talks about there's a new rule from the federal government, I know, you know, to, uh, like, control your gun. FBI has a national instant criminal background check, and now they want the addresses of all the gun purchasers in addition to all the other information, and they want it to report it to the FBI. But here's the, the addendum on this. There are 415 million firearms owned by Americans, 415 And given that the country's population is estimated to be 333 million, this would mean that there are one and a quarter, 1.25, firearms for every U.S. citizen. That's pretty staggering. That's pretty staggering, and there's a reason for that, is because we realize that we are really not safe, that our government isn't uh, able to protect us, that our police are being cut down and attacked. Um, and that really it's going to boil down to taking care of ourselves. And, of course, that's our founding fathers did that, didn't they? They were self-made men. Uh, they knew how to protect their families, and they knew how to make their way. And they did it because they made sure that in the Constitution they had the right to bear arms. That's what they lacked in England and those other countries. That's the way uh, the kings ruled over them. And they knew if people could arm themselves and protect themselves, there would not be as much tyranny. And that's, the, that's in our bloodstream. America is unique with that, and uh, there's nothing to be ashamed of with that. Our founding fathers were, for the most, they were peaceful men who believed, though, in fighting for a righteous cause, whether that means protection of your family or fighting foreign armies. armies. And certainly God's word allows for that, too. So there you go. That's the news on guns. I thought that was interesting. I thought you might think so, too. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, watching your hard-earned dollars just flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option called MediShare 65+. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it really is a community. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B that fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. It's great for peace of mind. And you can use your Medicare-approved doctor and get prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're great to talk to on the phone. Here's the number. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray. 
a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Christopher Williamson, Assistant Secretary of the Mine Safety and Health Administration. His office works to prevent death, illness, and injury from mining and promote safe and helpful workplaces for U.S. miners. Psalm 3.3 reminds us of God's protection. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. Right now, with this in mind, would you pray with me? Dear God, we ask you to guide Christopher Williamson as he works on behalf of minors. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country, and we're joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Uh, my goal as a teacher is, is to impart knowledge and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach, I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect their lives and their careers? Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. There's been another pre-dawn raid at the home of a pro-life leader. The FBI raided the home of Chet Gallagher in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. Mr. Gallagher is accused of organizing a peaceful prayer and protest in the hallway of a building that houses an abortion mill. Just a few weeks ago, a small army of agents raided the Pennsylvania home of Mark Houck, a well-known pro-life author. The FBI also announced they had charged 11 pro-lifers with violations of the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act. It's a fake crime. People are being thrown in jail for blocking sidewalks. The FBI's behavior is reminiscent of the old Soviet Union. The KGB pre-dawn raids, armed agents terrorizing families. Meanwhile, why hasn't the FBI done anything about the dozens of pro-life buildings that have been firebombed? What about the churches that have been vandalized? Where are the pre-dawn raids to bring those people to justice, America? I'm Todd Stearns. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. A hundred days from the Supreme Court's Dobbs decision and 35 days from the midterm elections. President Biden announced $6 million in grants to family planning clinics and asked Congress to approve an additional $400 million for those clinics. He also urged voters to reject Republicans in the upcoming midterms. Congressional Republicans are doubling down on the extreme position with the proposal for a national ban. Even if you live in a state where extremist Republican officials aren't running the show, your right to choose will still be at risk. The president says supporters are short a handful of votes in Congress to restore the right to abortion once maintained by Roe versus Wade. In today's announcement, Education Secretary Miguel Cardona also said he would remind universities they cannot discriminate against students if they've had an abortion and says he has grave concerns about maintaining access to contraception and reproductive services on college campuses. Republican Congresswoman Mary Miller responded to Cardona on Twitter, writing, quote, The Biden agenda for young students is castration and abortion. 
Following the court's Roe decision, abortion is now banned in more than a dozen states, and about a dozen more are caught up in lawsuits over enacting bans. Democrats have made abortion a central argument in their midterms case that only intensified after the court's decision and Senator Lindsey Graham's proposal last month to ban abortions after 15 weeks into pregnancy. Some Republican candidates contend Democrats are using abortion as an issue to distract from the economy. Oh, no, they wouldn't do that, would they? Would they do such a thing like that? Sandy Rios back with you. Well, the one thing that was said in that that caught my ear just then was the report by the education secretary that they want to make sure that colleges and universities, you know, stop, you know, refusing entry to women who've had abortions. I, you know, I missed that. I just didn't realize that that was a questionnaire on your entrance form, uh, that if you'd had an abortion ever, you have to confess it to them. And if you've had one, you can't get in the university. That is just, that's the kind of twisting, exaggeration, and outright lies that the left is doing. Uh, let me just tell you what's happening on our side. We, you just heard that Joe Biden has authorized a lot more money for, you know, Planned Parenthood and other things like that. <clears throat> uh, meanwhile, 83 Catholic churches and 73 pregnancy resource centers or pro-life organizations have been attacked since May. And most of them, I would say, let's see, uh, most of them have said that they have not heard anything from federal authorities. Nothing. They've heard nothing. They've been attacked. 83 Catholic churches and 73 pregnancy resource centers or pro-life organizations have been attacked, and they've heard nothing from the feds. Now, there maybe there's an exception in there. There could be one. I don't know. Do you think so? I kind of don't think so because this is the counter to that. Now, this happened last week. Todd just alluded to it, but I hadn't had a chance to be with you to tell you about it myself. The DOJ just last week charged 11 pro-life activists for blocking abortion clinics and threatening them with massive prison sentences. Now, here's the thing. The violation, the freedom of access to clinic entrances, I told you, is a boundary that was placed in the 90s. I was right there talking about all of this when it happened. It was a way to restrict uh, sidewalk counselors, people praying, uh, anyone trying to you know, help or dissuade uh, women going into abortion clinics. I don't doubt that some were not gentle, but I think most of the people that I know were just... I remember Joe Shidley, my good friend, talking about... He came into the studio one day, and he talked about how one girl had turned back. Joe was as big as he was, and he was called the the, pro, the pro-life uh, Green Beret. Uh, he was gentle. He had, like, seven kids of his own, and uh, this girl had changed her mind, and he was just so elated. That's the kind of work that they do. But, you know, they have to be stopped. So... Uh, the individuals charged by the Department of Justice with conspiring to prevent the clinic from providing abortion services and blocking patients from undergoing abortions. Seven of these are facing up to 11 years in prison and $350,000 in fines, and the remaining five are facing a year in prison and fines up to $10,000. How many pro-life activists do you know that are wealthy? They go out on the streets and pray. In front of abortion clinics, how many rich people, I'm not, I listen, I have nothing against rich people, I'm making a very broad general statement, but really, generally speaking, these are just good people who spend their precious time doing this out of the love for those babies and those women too. Uh, But, and most of them don't like have big cash on hand. So this is going to be horrible for them. It's going to be very punishing The DOJ actually posted this proudly. Eleven defendants indicted for obstructing 
a reproductive health services facility in Tennessee. Now, meanwhile, the crisis pregnancy centers are being attacked, vandalized, and actually attacked, and smoke bombs and whatever else, damage done, uh, death threats, and nothing. But, hey, we can't have these people standing out in front talking people, trying to talk people out of having had abortion. They must be punished. And uh, uh, Todd mentioned Chester Gallagher. I'll tell you a little bit more about him. He allegedly, 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 uh, I can't say it, allegedly, promoted several pro-life events on social media. How, how dare he do that? that is, did you know that was a criminal act? I, I didn't know. Other defendants coordinated travel and logistics on Facebook related to events March the 4th to the 17th. So they are like guilty of, you know, adding to the crime here. Coleman Boyd live-streamed a blockade of an abortion clinic entrance on March the 5th, broadcasting the defendant's blocking entrances, preventing an employee and a patient from entering, and saying the patient was a mom coming to kill her baby. Well, I wonder, you know. All right, you get the picture. Uh, The heat is turning up. Now, I would say this. Let me counter this. Uh, In the old days, uh, when... Abortion protesters would be arrested, well, it, whether it's the old days or the new days, if you um, if you are doing something that breaks the law, you're crossing that boundary, even though, you know, I don't hold with that boundary, but there it is. It was passed a long time ago. If you're crossing that or if you're doing something illegal or like if, you're, if you are blocking the entrance, then you have to know you're going to be arrested. I think that's just a consequence that you are willing to take, Right. You, you do that, and you take the consequence. So you can't complain about that. But this does this sounds like, as usual, an incredible overreach by the Justice Department, both Joe Biden's Justice Department, uh, Merrick Garland's Justice Department. It is just despicable what they're actually doing. Now, I want to uh, take you back in time. Remember, there's a I want to talk about candidates a little bit here, if I can. Carrie Lake is running for governor uh, in uh, in Arizona, and she's running against uh, the current Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs. And Carrie, we played a clip of Carrie speaking publicly. You know, they're trying to do all these gotcha questions for candidates around the country on abortion because they're trying to stoke whether they tell the truth or not, just like saying that colleges and universities are stopping women who've had abortions from getting into school. We're going to stop that. And nobody's doing that. That's just an absolute lie. But, okay, so they have all these things floating around that they're accusing uh, conservative pro-lifers of, and um, Carrie Lake was asked by a reporter, and this was her response, and I want to remind you. So let's listen to uh, candidate for governor in Arizona, Carrie Lake. Tell me, it, abortion is effectively banned in the state right now. Tell me, do you is that something that you support? I support saving as many lives as possible. And what I really want to know, and I've been waiting, I tune into you guys all the time. I want to know where Katie Hobbs stands, but ne- I never hear you guys ask for that. I'm pro-life. My plan would be that every woman who walks into an abortion clinic know that there are options out there. They don't have to choose that. There's families who would love to adopt a baby. And right now, the way it's been going, they go in and they they only have one option. That's it. Nobody tells them that there's other options. We want to help our women. If they're afraid, we want to help them. We want to give women health care, and I want to help people. But I really challenge you, and I'm I'm happy to get back to you on this, when you find out where Katie Hobbs stands, because let me tell you where she stands. She supports abortion right up until birth Thank and after you. birth. That's right. She supports if a baby survives a botched abortion, that that baby die on a cold metal tray. Truth. And none of you 
ever try to get her to talk about her stance. So get back to me after you do. Thank and you. tell her. You know what? We're going to stop there. She uh, because it, I want to get a lot of other things in. So, Katie was um, Carrie was one of the first politicians to me who really understood. Now we got to go on the attack uh, because what they're doing is just twisted. And this is the truth. Uh, what we have to point out is uh, Democrats want abortion for all nine months. For heaven's sake, doesn't anybody care about that? Most Americans don't want that. So yesterday. Uh, Major Garrett on uh, CBS Face the Nation. By the way, I used to know Major when he was at Fox and I was at Fox. He's really very, uh, he's a great guy. He's a great reporter, so you're never quite sure where he stood. Uh, But my hunch was I always thought he was kind of at, deep down, a conservative. That's a hunch not to be reported. It's not a news item. I'm just telling you. So he had Katie Hobbs, the Arizona Secretary of State. Uh, You know, he was interviewing her, and this is the way it went down. What would the Hobbs administration's weak limit be for abortion access? If it's not 15 weeks, what is it? Look, abortion is a very personal decision that belongs between a woman and her doctor. The government and politicians don't belong in that decision. We need to let doctors perform the care that they are trained and take an oath to to perform. So if an Arizona voter were to conclude from your previous answer that you do not favor any specific weak limit on abortion, would they be correct? I support leaving the decision between a woman and her doctor and leaving politicians entirely out of it. All right, so that's a very smart answer, but you notice, uh, because it would be hard for her to say, yes, I support abortion for all nine months. I'm all, yay, abortion for all nine months, even though that is her position. So that's uh, the Arizona governor's race. And you, uh, you find that candidates are actually uh, beginning to understand how to respond to this in smarter ways. And I don't mean crafty. Uh, a craft, that was crafty of hers. But by speaking the truth, the truth is plenty. Look what they stand for. We stand for limitations. Uh, either a person, candidate is personally against all abortion or therefore some limitations, not abortion for all nine months. Surely uh, there's, a, there's a, a way to make a distinction. And so I noticed yesterday in a debate with, in Arizona with Blake Masters, who is running for a Senate against Mark Kelly, the incumbent, uh, he actually stood up and said, this, this is his clip too. I'm pro-life, and that means I believe in limits. Now, I support exceptions. Because I don't believe in being extreme on this issue. Senator Mark Kelly is the abortion radical. Senator Kelly in Washington, he voted, you know, actually he sponsored, he didn't just vote for it, he sponsored a bill that would have mandated legal abortion nationwide, get this, up until the moment of birth. Take a second to think about how truly radical that is. Mark Kelly says any abortion is okay for any reason, all the way up until the moment a baby is due to be born. He wasn't the only radical who voted for that bill. He was joined by Elizabeth Warren, by Bernie Sanders. AOC voted for this in the House. And the only countries in the whole world that support Senator Kelly's preferred no limits, extreme abortion policy are China and North Korea. North Korea, he said. You didn't hear the last part. That's Blake Masters 
who was the Republican candidate in uh, Arizona running against Mark Kelly, the Democrat, who's a former astronaut, but a real lib- real leftist. But he poses as a, like a normal guy. Boy, there's a those come a dime a dozen. Dick Durbin was one of those years ago. He wore the bow tie. He was like, oh, shucks, Mr. Southern Illinois. Oh, my goodness. Liberal beyond measure, a liar beyond measure. And that's what happens. We, but he's nice. Joe Biden was a nice guy, right? He was a nice guy. And we thought, oh, people thought he was a moderate because he had that big smile. It was, oh, shucks, Joe. But you're seeing who it is we elected or didn't who actually swore the oath and took the position, we see now more clearly the depths of that man, right? So I'm just telling you Mark Kelly's policies are as wicked as Joe Biden's. In fact, he votes with him most of the time. I, um, Okay, one other thing about one other. There's several other things, but I wanted to, one other story that I want to get to before the break here. Um, you know that California Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom wants to be president, right? So he, you know, he wants to be president. And many people think it's actually possible. So he's beginning to branch out, and he's been running billboards because California will let you have an abortion for any reason for all nine months. Isn't that great state? You're free to take the life of your baby in your womb when you are nine months pregnant. And so he's been running billboards in states where there are abortion restrictions. Uh, and he, so he, he's put, been putting them in all over the place. Um, I think he put them in Florida, and they basically say, need an abortion? California is ready to help. Uh, and uh, learn more at abortion.ca.gov. Okay, so that's the billboard. But it also includes a, a, a scripture verse. A scripture verse that says, um, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commitment than these. Well, no greater love. That's what it says, but there's sort of a little twisting of the words even as it stands. But love your neighbor as yourself. Get an abortion? I don't quite understand what they have in mind. I'm not sure. Because if they really understood that verse, if you love that baby that you're carrying as much as you love yourself, you wouldn't abort it. So that actually is a real strong statement against abortion, whether he knows it or not. But cheer up. California Governor Gavin Newsom could be the next president. Wouldn't that be wonderful? He has great hair, uh, and uh, he's handsome. So that's what matters, and that must mean, since he's a nice kind of aw shucks guy, he, you know, he'll be likable. So uh, cheer up. This is what we have to look forward to. Coming back, I'm going to play something incredible for you. Tori Bush is part of the squad. She's a leftist of the leftists, but she told an incredible story just a few days ago that really broke my heart, and I want you to listen. Okay, so stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Target is in the bullseye because of its transgender bathroom policy. A petition by the American Family Association to boycott Target now surpassing a million signatures and counting. People have their own beliefs and stuff, but what can it hurt? What can it hurt? What can it hurt? It hurts our daughters. It hurts you. It hurts our families. It hurts me. It hurts all of us. Sign the petition to boycott Target at AFA.net. Can we trust the Bible? He says, we saw this. And that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks. 
The important documentary from the American Family Association is now available to watch for free on AFA's brand new streaming platform. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to watch this award-winning film today. Thegodwhospeaks.org The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. What is the proper role of government? Romans chapter 13 outlines government's function, and it is basically this, to restrain or to punish wickedness and to reward righteousness. Government was never intended to be our savior. Government is our servant. As we focus on our civil occupations and our civic engagement responsibilities, let us never forget that government is not our God. We don't put our trust in it. We put our trust in our Christ. As a result, what we want is a government that stays out of our way and leaves room for our church to do our business of fulfilling the Great Commission. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month. And that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The countdown on Joe Biden's resignation has begun. The FBI reportedly has finally amassed enough evidence of tax and gun crimes to indict his son, Hunter. Charges will likely be filed after the midterm elections. Presumably Merrick Garland's uber-politicized Justice Department will try to dispose of this natty problem for his boss with a plea deal. But far more serious criminal conduct involving not only Hunter but his father can no longer be ignored. Investigative journalists like Jack Maxey and Chanel Rion have documented and Hunter's ex-business partner Tony Bobolinsky has confirmed that the Biden sold access to the big guy to, among others, Chinese intelligence. As a kinetic conflict looms with the Chinese Communist Party, it is simply intolerable to have as our military's commander-in-chief a man deeply compromised by our mortal enemy. Joe must go, and he will. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. You know, um, I, I, I get angry at the squad. I get angry at leftists. I get angry at what they do. Uh, but I also know that there is um, some t- there are reasons why people. This is not, these are not excuses. You have to separate reasons from excuses. There are reasons why people hold these hardline, hard-hearted, wicked to us positions. And Cori Bush, who is you know a defund the police, uh, abortion all the time. She's getting ready to go on a campaign. I think this week uh, to you know to uh, what is this called? Uh, 
She's starting a campaign, and I'll find that in just a second. But to uh, to you know stop it, to promote abortion, I'll just say it that way. So she's a Missouri Democrat, a black female, and she was on uh, uh, PBS with Margaret Hoover, who is a real lefty. Oh gosh, a pretty little blonde girl who's a, just a le- a skin crawling liberal from my perspective. And they had a really in-depth conversation. I want you to hear part of it because um, this might explain uh, Cori Bush just a little bit to us. Let's listen. Um, You became pregnant two years later when you were 19. And you chose to have an abortion. You went to an abortion clinic. At this time, you were enrolled in university. You had started Harris-Stowe State University. And you got to the clinic and had second thoughts. Yes. Walk me through what happened. So I, I was thinking back to the first abortion. Okay, you've done this before. You know the rooms. You know what it looks like. You know what it feels like in, in this place. You know what to expect. You know um, that you may experience even some harm or some racism in this, in this space. Like, I thought I was ready. Because you had um, experienced racism I, previously. I had. So I thought I was ready. And I went in. And I went through all the steps because they were like you. It's almost like an assembly line. You know, you go from room to room and I got into the last room. I I was helped up onto the table by the nurse and I laid there and I started to think, well, one, I didn't tell the father that that was about to happen. Um, I and I just I just felt like I needed more time. So I said, no, you know what? I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. And the nurse just, you know, wouldn't listen to me. And I said, no, I'm not ready. And as I'm saying no, they continued to pull the instruments and, you know, get everything ready. And and it was just like, no, calm down. You know, no, you're going to be okay. So you were telling them that was, you didn't want to move forward. Yes. And they were ignoring you. They were, oh, they absolutely ignored me, um, even to the point of, you know, like calm down as if I was the problem. And so I didn't really know, like, I, I didn't understand at that point where, uh, my, like, where I had a voice, like, who listened to me. And so I remember laying there looking to see um, if there was someone else in the room that would that would listen to me. And the they ended up putting, during this time, they put the instrument inside me and started the instrument. So it was, and I'm saying no. But it was too late because you couldn't stop once it started. Why do you think they didn't listen to you? The same as as other times where I haven't been listened to by a provider um, or medical staff. You know, I was a young black woman. You know, I multiple times I felt like it was, oh, well, we know better. You don't know what you need. You don't. You don't understand. We know better. I don't even know where to begin. Um, I don't. I do not doubt that story at all. I've heard similar things from other women through the years who've gone to abortion clinics and they tried to tried to stop. Now some some succeeded, but others didn't. I've heard the same thing, and it had nothing to do with their color, by the way. I think Margaret was trying to infer, and maybe Corey was picking up on that, that it had to do with her color. Why would uh, Planned Parenthood, for sure, the founder, Margaret Sanger, uh, 
uh, was a eugenicist who wanted to do away with the black population. There's no question about that. That's the horrific story that no one wants to tell, at least make it known in the black community that that's exactly what's at the heart of that. But I tell you, I don't believe for one moment that the people who are in Planned Parenthood working right now, the nurses and doctors, are uh, you know wanting to rid themselves of black uh, children. I think they just want to kill children. That's what they do. Uh, they are just wicked. It has nothing. Uh, well, how do I know? But I doubt it has to do with color. I don't think they just hire racist. You think? Okay. And the second thing I want to just point out, I would like to ask Corey, who do you think were your friends in that setting? Were your friends the people on the inside who would not let you stop? Who treated you like you had your opinion? Your, your she's nineteen. Uh, you could tell. I, I just picking up from the the details, little little nuances there. It sounded. If I had to guess, she cared for this man that she had the child by because she makes the she didn't have the child that she bo- got pregnant by because she um, it comes to her mind that she didn't have a chance to tell him, and uh, she changed her mind. Can you even imagine that? It makes me weep to even think about that, going through that. And she went through it twice. Now, that doesn't relieve blame from her. I'm not saying that for those of you who are legalists. I'm just telling you, um, this is cause for empathy. This breaks my heart for her. And this is the reason why we fought abortion for years, because it's not good for women. It hurts women. It damages them physically often where they can't have children again. It damages their heart and their mind and their soul. And I maintain to you that I said this for years. This is the reason that women my age are so hard about this, filled with hate. Uh, it does something to the human soul when you destroy your own child. And so, um, so Cori Bush went through this. So I asked the question, who are your friends? The people on the inside who refuse to listen to you and insisted that you go through with this or the people on the outside standing on that sidewalk who reached out to you and tried to stop you kindly, lovingly. Can I pray for you? Stop and think, are you sure you want to do this? Do you understand of the things I just said about the harm to women, uh, the the potential future harm to you and reproducing again? Uh, Who were your friends? Who were your friends at that clinic? So I want you, I want to say, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we look at people who are so hard, like Corey, wants to defund police, she's radical of the radicals, we can have compassion and broken hearts when we understand what's happened in their past. Now, why? how she would take that situation in that abortion clinic and then come out being so pro-choice is a mystery. Uh, and by the way, she's uh, going to be campaigning in Missouri this last weekend, she was, uh, on to protect abortion rights. That's what she was doing. The only thing I can say is, uh, you know, things are always twisted with, uh, with Satan. They are just twisted. Like, that's why do uh, girls who are lesbians uh, want to dress like boys when they supposedly hate men? Why do... Um, uh, you know, I mean, there's just so many, so many counter things that don't make sense. Uh, you know, sin is twisted, and Satan is like a destroyer, and he just—that's why Jesus and 
our, his father, the Lord, his father, the author and finisher of everything, the universe. Uh, the, the Old Testament says that he will make the crooked ways straight and the rough places plain. He will sort this out. Our minds become so confused the further we get from our creator who created our minds, created us in his image, uh, gave us for his, what he wants with us and what he can give us is a sound mind. Uh, the people that are our opponents do not have sound minds. Now, uh, many of them, the Bible says clearly they give themselves over. He tries to prick their conscience, and eventually, and that pr- true that is true of all of us at one time. I'm guessing that you uh, you give yourself over to something, and then God says, "Well, okay, if that's what you want, have at it. You can do it. I'm not stopping you. You could take that path and go as far as you want to go. I give up." And so um, I just wanted to bring that to the table. I also want to say one more thing. I've learned from my black friends. Um, I think one thing, this is going to be kind of hard to explain, uh, but there is, and this sounds racist, but this is coming from my black friends growing up in black communities, that longer than now it's, ha- now it's happening in, the, in white communities and Hispanic and all colors, but early on when black families were broken, uh, there was so much uh, sexual malfeasance and just, just uh, uh, what, what should I call it, sexual acting out in various forms, all different kinds of forms, uh, and lots of rape of young girls. This I've heard from, uh, I can't say her name. She's a high-ranking, very well-known black female. And um, I've heard her say from my um, her lips to my ears, the kind of abuse that she endured and grew up watching. And so I think when uh, those of us who come from a more pristine, not by any merit of our own, we came from families that were more intact, more healthy, can't imagine that, uh, but I want you to know that that's part of what's happening in the black community and now and in the uh, now certainly in the white community, which is now embracing the same kind of uh, sexual anarchy. And so even as we fight this, uh, we need to fight it with compassion for those and always speak to them uh, understanding that eternity is at stake and that how we fight matters. And so, um, and speaking of that, let's see, shall I end with this? Ah, uh, okay, let's do that. We've got a minute here, a couple of minutes. Um, this happened yesterday in an interaction on MSNBC. Um, you know the Herschel Walker now is being accused we talked about this last week. A woman came out and said that he paid for her abortion. He's very pro-life, and that's the stinger. So he says he's pro-life, but she says he paid for her abortion. That was published by the Daily Beast. Herschel said it's not true that he didn't. That that's not that's not true. Well, I don't know if it's true, but here's something interesting to me. The Daily Beast reported that, and then the next uh, that I didn't even share with you last week, just in woman who Herschel Walker reportedly paid for her abortion, says he insisted she abort their second child. Oh, and then the one before that says, just in, woman who claims Herschel Walker paid for her abortion says they also share a child. Well, you know what? That that all may be true, but can you see the tabloid nature of this? It may be totally false. You cannot depend on that. Okay, so oh, on the heels of that, uh, on MSNBC, Roland Martin was on with, I'm not sure who the hostess was, but you'll hear her voice briefly, and this is what he said about Herschel Walker and about um, evangelical hypocrites who support him. Clip 10. 
I know some people have lost their minds, and that's people who are still backing uh, Herschel Walker for Senate, Roland. I mean, listen, Aaron talked about why the infrastructure uh, wants to support Herschel Walker. I'm just confused at how these faux, uh, what they call themselves, Christian right-wing extremist evangelicals who don't go to church, don't know the Bible, but somehow is conflated with GOP politics and policy, how those folks are still backing Herschel Walker. What do you say? Well, very easy. That was a German theologian named Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, who uh, coined the phrase cheap grace. And that is exactly what white conservative Christians offer. And so when one of their own screws up, they go, uh, but it's the grace of God that is on them. Now, first of all, my wife is an ordained pastor. I totally understand uh, uh, grace. I understand forgiveness. I understand that we all sin. Uh, but there's also a thing called hypocrisy when it comes to these same white Christian evangelicals. The moral majority was a farce from the beginning. And so it has never been about morality. It's never been about character. It's what I told Chris Christie a year ago on ABC this week. It is about power. They don't care about morals and values and character. Donald Trump proved right. that. I have, to, so jump up. We, I have we should... to jump in because we're going to run out of time. I have to make some points on this as, as best I can. Uh, there is hypocrisy and there's often hypocrisy. I do not support hypocrisy. Let me say that first. But she she defines these Christians as ones that don't go to church and don't know their Bible. I think there are a lot of people who go to church and know their Bible who support Herschel. Uh, and this is not church. I think our black friends in that situation, they're not our friends, but our enemies actually, are, are describing uh, what, I think in their view, you know, the, in the black church, it, they live sort of a theocracy. The black pastor has a lot of power. And I think there's confusion here because this is not a pastor. This is a politician. And so was Donald Trump. And the people who, in a, in a free society, in a democratic uh, election, have to choose the best candidate. So Raphael Warnick is for abortion for whatever reason. Herschel Walker is against abortion, even if he's had, I don't know, let's say he did uh, try to pay for an abortion. That seems hypocritical, but his public stand and what I think he would do based on his words is stop abortion. That's why you choose Herschel. It isn't like you choose them for all the reasons you would choose a pastor or Sunday school teacher. Wish I had more time, but think about that. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.